Okay, tonight I want to speak about um, making a good impression, making an impression. And what I want to do first is share a joke, because you know how I love jokes. <laughs> and I love to laugh. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We all need to laugh more. Okay, here's the joke. I'm going to read it because I don't want to get it wrong. It says, this guy named Baba was bragging to his boss one day. You know, I know everyone there is to know. Just name someone, anyone, and I know them. Tired of his boasting, his boss called his bluff. He said, okay, Baba, how about Tom Cruise? Sure. Yeah, I know Tom. We're good friends, and I can prove it. So Baba and his boss fly out to Hollywood, knock on Tom Cruise's door, and sure enough, Tom shouts, Baba, great to see you. You and your friend come right in and join me for lunch. Although impressed, Baba's boss is still sceptical. After they leave Cruz's house, he tells Baba that he thinks Baba's knowing Cruz was just lucky. No, no, just name anyone, Baba says. Okay, President Clinton, his boss said. Yeah, sure, I know him. Let's fly out to Washington. And off they go. At the White House, Clinton spots Baba on the tour and he motions to him and his boss and says, Hey, Baba, what a surprise. I was just on my way to a meeting, but you and your friend come in. Let's have a cup of coffee and catch up. Well, the boss was very shaken by now, but still not totally convinced. After they leave the White House grounds, he expresses his doubts to Baba, who again implores him to name anyone. Okay, the Pope. The boss replies, Sure, says Baba. My folks are from Poland and I've known the Pope for a long time. So off they fly to Rome. Baba and his boss are assembled with the masses in Vatican Square when Baba says, Oh, this will never work. I can't catch his eye amongst all these people. I tell you what, I know all the guards, so let me go upstairs and I'll come out on the balcony with the Pope. He disappeared into the crowd. Sure enough, half an hour later, Baba emerges with the Pope on the balcony. But by the time he returns, he finds his boss has, a, has fainted and he's surrounded by paramedics. Working his way to the boss's side, Baba asks him, What happened? His boss looks up and says, Well, I was doing fine until you and the Pope came out on the balcony. And then the man next to me said, Who's that on the balcony with Baba? <laughs> See, Baba obviously made an impression on people. <laughs> it's just a joke. But I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. You know, we are all trying to make an impression on people. Whether we like it or not, we are all trying to impress either ourselves or someone else. You know, if, a, if a, a guy gets a new girlfriend or the girlfriend gets a new boyfriend or whatever, they take them to the parents and they're trying to impress them. Um, little kids, little kids will go, Mummy, Mummy, look at this. Daddy, look at me. Look how high I can jump. Mummy, look what I drew. Look what I made for you. And, and you're always trying to make an impression. You know, there's probably people sitting in this room and you've tried to make an impression on a parent all your life. It may have worked, it may not. But we're all trying to make impressions. Um, so what I want to speak about, if I have a title, it's How to Impress God. 
how to impress God. Of course, the first thing you, you can do to impress God is say yes to Jesus. That's an obvious, that's a given. But the next thing is um, faith. Okay, The scriptures say faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. And we need to have an element of expectation always in our lives. Sometimes we may not feel we have faith, but an aspect of faith is expectation. So we need to sort of um, almost make ourselves expect the good, not the bad. We need to expect or anticipate good things. Expectation is a confident belief or a strong hope that, will hap- that something will happen. Now, Joe, you are just having a negative expectation, but after we pray, we believe for positive expectation. Something good is going to happen, and we need to be like that. Something good is going to happen, not something negative, not impending doom, regardless of what the world says, no, no matter what the media says. We need to expect something good to happen because the Bible said, I give you a future and a hope. The Lord gives hope to his people. So we need to be expecting and anticipating, waiting expectantly for good things to happen. So how do we impress God? How do we impress him? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 8. I just want to share a few brief um, examples in Matthew chapter 8. You know that simple faith impresses God. Simple faith. Just not trying to figure everything out, but just simply believing his word. Simply believing that God is good. Simply believing that he's faithful and true. In Matthew chapter 8, this is the story of the centurion. And he's, he's come to the Lord and in verse 5 it says, uh, Jesus had entered Capernaum and a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant's laying at home paralysed dreadfully tormented and Jesus said to him I'll come and heal him and the centurion answered and said Lord I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed see this impressed Jesus this impressed him this simple faith Just speak the word. You don't even have to come to my house and lay hands on this man. I simply believe that if you speak the word, that there's power in that word, and healing will come into my servant. And this really impressed Jesus. In verse 10, it says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He marveled. Does Jesus marvel at our faith? He marveled. And he said to those who followed... Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. That is powerful. He's basically saying, this man, this Gentile has great faith. I I, I can't even find this faith in Israel. He's saying, look at this man with his simple belief in me. It impressed the Lord. He marveled. I'd love the word to say that He marvelled at our faith. He marvelled how we just simply believed his word. We simply believed his word. He expected healing. See that? The expectation was there. 
He said, if you just speak the word, I know he'll be healed. He expected it. We need to have that expectation on the inside. I know if God said it, he'll do it. I know if he says it, it'll happen. And just simply believe him. He said, here is this man, this Gentile. And he's believing. And yet these religious, pious, legalistic Jewish people, the ones who, the leaders who knew the word, were not impressed with Jesus. They were not impressed with him as the Messiah. They just saw him as a man. But this man, he had great expectations. Let's go over to Mark chapter 5. Expectation is a key to receiving things from God, but even greater than that, for impressing him. In Mark chapter 5, how do we impress God? We can impress him by our persistence. You know, I was sharing about how I made four phone calls the other day to get a breakthrough in this situation, which looked impossible. And after the third time, I thought, I cannot ring anymore. I can't make this call because I'm, I'm sure nothing's going to come of it. You know, in my mind, I was thinking nothing can come of it. In the natural, nothing could come of it. But I expected deep down on the inside that God was going to do something. And so I made that call. And guess what? God broke through on the fourth time. If I'd listened to that nagging, worrying voice on the third time, I wouldn't have done it. And I felt like a bit of, a, bit of an idiot doing it. Like I, I felt like I was just bothering this person. But I felt the Lord say, one more time, one more time, one more time. And so as I felt that momentum on the inside, like, yeah, do it, do it then the expectation also rose up on the inside. It's like, yeah, one more time. I expect God is going to do something. I don't know how, but he did it, and he gave me favour. In Mark chapter 5, this is a story about the woman with the issue of blood. It says that there was a great multitude thronging around Jesus, and the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years had suffered many things from many physicians, she spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and he said, he touched my clothes. I mean, this girl was a crowd stopper. She was a Jesus stopper. You know, he stopped and turned around. These are, these are special people. The ones who stop Jesus in a crowd. The ones who cry out and he stands still. The ones who cause him to marvel. These are the ones who have expectation on the inside and then they release it out. They release their expectation in an action. They put feet to their faith, basically. And so that's what she did. Persistence impresses him. And, and he looked around and, and she said, it was me, it was me, basically. Okay, I give up, it was me. And then in verse 44, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. That's a powerful statement. How can my faith make me well? It can't. 
How did her faith make her well? It couldn't, because only Jesus can heal. But there was something in it, something that mixed with the touch of the Lord and her faith combined together, and she was healed. These are mysterious, amazing things. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This woman must have been tormented terribly, tormented terribly. And yet, here she is. He said, go in peace. You've been healed. You know, the amazing thing is here, you know, when you read the Word of God, you can read it so many times, but then something new will come out of it. Mm -hmm. Something new will come out of it. And I, I know this story. I've preached out of it so many times. But as I was reading back through my notes and get, went over it last night, um, I just saw this where it says... Um, when she heard, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came. She came to him. She didn't know about him before. She did all she knew to do. She went to the doctors and they let her down. But when she heard about Jesus, something happened. Something different happened. And she went and touched his garment. She said on the inside, if I can touch his garment. She came in the midst of a crowd. That expectation in her was so strong that she pushed her way through a multitude of people. When she heard about Jesus, expectation rose up on the inside. For 12 years, 12 years she'd been going, going, going to physicians, running out of money. And then she's at this point. All her hope was probably gone. But when she heard about Jesus, something on the inside rose up. She was expecting that if I can just touch his garment, not touch him even, just touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. That expectation was ignited in her when she heard about Jesus. You know, if you want to impress the Lord, when you hear about Jesus, do something about it. Reach out and touch him. Reach out and touch him, expecting something to happen. You know, he didn't turn around to 10 or 20 people. He turned around to one, to one person. And she was the one who was healed. She was the one who impressed him. She was the one who got his attention. She made an impression on him. You want to make an impression on Jesus? Yeah. When you hear about him, reach out and touch him. Expect something to happen. There's a story over in Mark chapter 7 about another woman. Mark chapter 7. This woman had a child who was demon-possessed. In Mark chapter 7, in verse 24, it says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. <laughs> I love that line. Jesus cannot be hidden. He cannot be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. There's the key. She kept asking him. She persisted. She expected if she asked him enough, then something was going to happen. 
She'd heard about this Jesus too. She expected something from him. And she got it. It didn't come the first time. didn't come the second time. It says she kept asking. And then even when he said to her in verse 27, Let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I mean, even after it seems he's insulting her, saying, look, you know, you, you don't even qualify. You don't even qualify. She was still persistent. She was still expecting. She answered and she said to him, yes, Lord. Okay, you made your point. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Just for that. She expected that if she pressed him enough, because she knew that he was a good man, she knew that he was the healer. She knew that he was the source for her daughter. And she persisted and she, pers she pressed and she expected and she got an answer for her daughter. You know, we need to press to impress the Lord. He was impressed with her faith. He was impressed at her persistence and she reaped the benefits of it. She kept asking. You know, if you, you are asking God for something and he hasn't answered yet, keep asking. It impresses the Lord. It's not doubt and it's not unbelief. I've heard some people say, pray for it once and then don't ask again. But I see many, many times throughout the Bible that people ask and keep on asking. They knock and they keep on knocking. They press and they keep on pressing. They seek and they pursue and they persist. And bam, there's a point when it just stops the Lord. And he's like, you, your faith has made you whole. You, your faith has brought a blessing upon your life. And he just turns and he just blesses you. This, you know, the Lord, serving God is not just like click your fingers and God does it. It's, it's not like that. I mean, he could, but there's things, there's certain things he wants us to press for and push for. Why? Because it's good for us. It's not good to have everything just given to you. You know, there's nothing worse than a spoilt bratty child <laughs> who's had everything given to them. Isn't that true? And then if someone doesn't give it to them, they disrespect them. And they're rude and they're arrogant and they're obnoxious. But when you appreciate something, when some things are hard to work for, it gives you a sense of satisfaction and achievement, and that's how you grow. You know, that's how you grow. In Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, impressing the Lord. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This is a classic passage about Martha and Mary. You know, a lot of, pre a lot of people would be impressed by Martha. I mean, Martha was doing a good thing. She just wasn't doing what God had asked her to do or God was wanting at the time. In verse um, 38, Luke chapter 10, it says, It happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, 
Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which cannot be taken from her, or will not be taken from her. You know, basically Jesus is saying here, you know, Mary, Mary, she got it. Mary got it. She realised that Jesus was there and it was not time to be running around doing things. It was time to sit at his feet. And um, you know how I was just saying a few minutes ago how sometimes you read things over and over and then you see something new? I just saw something new as I was reading it then. This jumped out to, at me. Verse 39. She sat at his feet and heard his word. She heard his word. Sometimes we can't hear from God because we're doing a martyr thing. We're too busy doing things. Like we can be task-oriented. Like some of us are sometimes. We're so busy doing things for God and we think we can't hear from him. And we can't unless we sit at his feet and expect to hear from him. Unless we prioritise. What did Martha say? She said to Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? And she said, I'm doing all the work. And then she said, make her help me. She's basically accusing Mary of being lazy. In all of that, she's, she's saying, underneath it all, she's saying, look, that sister of mine's lazy. And she's also, underneath it all, she's saying, what I'm doing is more important than you. Powerful stuff. Powerful. But the interesting thing is Jesus did not rebuke her. He didn't say what you're doing is not good because it was good. It just wasn't good for that particular moment in time. He's saying it's about priorities. He said, I am impressed by Mary because she is prioritising correctly. The priority was to sit and to hear, to sit at the feet of Jesus, not to do these things at the time. He didn't rebuke her activity, but he rebuked her priority. Mary impressed Jesus because she just wanted to be with him. She knew that her time with him was very short. You know, times that we have with the Lord, really, even though we have access to God 24-7, the time that we really have with him is quite short. It's very precious. And we need to get our priorities right. You know, the other stuff, sometimes the assignments can wait. Sometimes, you know, the kids can wait. Sometimes these things can wait. And we just need to sit at his feet and hear his word. Just hear his word. This impresses the Lord. Um, back in Luke chapter 7, a couple of pages back, a story of another woman. What's this with all these women? <laughs> it was not my intention. It just happened that way. In Luke chapter 7, see Mary, when she sat at Jesus' feet, she was expecting to hear from him. She was expecting something from him. Whereas Martha wasn't. She was out in the kitchen. What was she expecting? Maybe she was expecting praise, and that's why she was so upset. I'm working hard here. Was she expecting Jesus to say, Oh, Martha, you just cooked the best schnitzel, whatever? <laughs> you know, was he just saying, like, You're the best cook in town? 
You worked so hard. What was she expecting? And her expectations were dashed. Interesting. In Luke chapter 7, in verse um, 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. See, she came to give to him. She came just to give to him. She came to worship him. I don't know what she was expecting from him. Was she expecting anything in return? It doesn't really say. But she received forgiveness. She received salvation. She received. Sometimes you receive things even when you're not expecting them. You know, when you give, you will get back. When you worship, you will receive back. But it's not that we should come in expecting to get something. You know what I'm saying? Not being like, uh, 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 it's all about me. When we come and we give to the Lord and we impress Him, it's just a natural outflowing of the character of God, the nature of the Father who loves us, to heap back upon us the good things that we have need of. And as she gave her worship to him, as she gave in tears of repentance at his feet, as she kissed his feet and anointed him with oil, he gave back to her forgiveness and cleansing. I don't know what she was expecting, but she got the greatest gift of all. They said, oh, she shouldn't have wasted all that. You know, it's so valuable, that oil. But to her, that was just oil. It wasn't as valuable as feeling clean and whole and new. It wasn't as valuable as forgiveness. It wasn't as valuable as salvation was to her. And so the Lord just poured out his blessings upon her. That impressed him. You know, he said to the, to the Pharisees there, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't welcome me, basically. You didn't anoint my head. You didn't kiss me. And yet this, this ignorant woman, this sinner, look at her. She's done it. I didn't expect that, he's saying, but I'm certainly impressed. I'm certainly impressed with her. He's saying, woman, um, your sins are forgiven. Verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These are powerful impressions that are being made upon the Lord. You know, there's other, there's many, many, many other passages, passages um, throughout in um, the book of Acts. One that really impresses me is um, Cornelius, where it says that his arms and his prayer, his giving and his prayers had gone up to God as a memorial. You know, his prayer life and his generosity had gone up, and basically a memorial is something huge, something you can see from a distance. It's significant. So the Lord was basically saying, I am impressed, Cornelius, with your prayer life. I'm impressed with your giving. He was impressed. And the Lord basically handpicked him. He sent an angel in a vision, and Cornelius has this vision, and, and he hears from the angel that you are going to... Um, 
uh, meet up with this man named Peter. And he's going to come and your whole household is going to learn about the Holy Spirit. You're going to be filled. You know, his whole family and extended family was blessed because of him. You know, when he gave and when he prayed, did he expect that? No, he didn't expect that. So, you know, as we are faithful to gather on a Wednesday night for prayer, as we pray together, you know, on a Tuesday morning, whenever you pray together, when we pray and we worship together, when we give to the Lord, you know, when you're given an offering tonight, do you know what God is going to do? You expect that he'll do something, but you don't quite know what to expect. Cornelius had no idea what God was going to do because of his prayers and his giving. And, and Peter came and he preached. The Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles and then it just spread like wildfire. In Philippians, um, let's go over to Philippians chapter 4. This is not talking about individuals. This is talking about a church, a church situation. In Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Expecting. How do we impress God? This is where um, Paul is speaking to the, the um, Philippian church. In, let's go to verse 15. He's saying, basically, I know how to um, be abased and abound. I know how to be content in every state. He's saying, I know what it's to be full. I know what it's to be hungry, to suffer, to abound. In verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, he's saying, you have done well that you shared in my distress. In other words, you were there when I needed help. You were the only ones, basically, who were there. He's saying, now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only, you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound, because he knew that the Lord was his provider. He said, I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So basically, Paul is saying here, you were the only church, you were the only ones who stood with me in my hour of need. At the beginning, like you guys, you're standing with us at the beginning of this thing, you know? And God is well pleased. God is impressed when you stand with someone who, you know, I mean, Paul was at the beginning and he looked like he was under threat. I mean, who is this guy? He's been persecuting the church. You know, will he prevail? And this church basically invested in him. They believed in him. They believed God was with him. And he's saying, you are the only ones who gave. And he was saying, I wasn't looking for the gift. But I was looking for the blessing that was going to come upon you. And he's basically saying now, you can expect the blessing. You can expect the blessing because you have impressed God. 
You have impressed him so much that it's a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Well-pleasing to God. And he's saying, because you've done this, you can expect that God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory, his boundless riches in glory. He's basically saying you can expect not to be needy because of your generosity. God will supply all your needs. You have impressed him. And where he says it's well-pleasing to God, I want to finish up on this note. Well-pleasing to God. When something pleases God, that word pleases. When it pleases God, it means he bends down. He bends down. In other words, he gets closer. When you bend down and get close, it's like when you talk to a little child. You don't stand up here like a giant. You bend down and you talk to them and you look into their eyes. How are you doing today, honey? That's a nice dress. Did your mummy make it? And that kid feels like the most important person on the planet. And when you please God, when you impress him by your expectation, by your simple faith, by your right heart attitude, by a generous spirit, then God bends down. He gets close to you. He looks into your eye. He pays full attention to you. And he gives you incredible favour. You want to impress the Lord? I do. Amen. Thank you, Lord.